Today, my conversation is with Kevin Beggs, a 22-year veteran of running Lionsgate TV as the chairman of Lionsgate and all its affiliates and auspices and alliances. And Kevin is warm and effusive, and I'm so delighted to spend a conversation today with Kevin Beggs to learn about the special opportunities, the new directions, and all of the upcoming events and projects that are going to happen in the new year. Now, I know we're all with bated breath, hoping that the calendar and the clock will turn to 2021 and everything will be all better. I know it's going to take a little while to recharge and find our new reality in this industry of entertainment and the arts and media, but we are going to have an optimistic viewpoint as we look forward and celebrate. So let's toast a little bit of champagne to Kevin Beggs, to the new year, and to this podcast conversation. Welcome to Passion to Power with your host, Michelle Zeitlin. She's a creative producer who quote-unquote wears many hats. She's also a talent and literary manager and founded the company Morzap Productions and Management. She develops people and projects across all media. Her guests encompass the gamut, from artists to authors, actors to activists, programming executives, development executives, and A&R. Michelle Zeitlin is excited to share her tips and tools for success through her conversations mostly via Zoom during quarantine. Please welcome Michelle Zeitlin, Passion to Power. So I have a super short attention span. So for me to be able to, you know, in the course of a day, be reading a comedy script, be dealing with production issues on a limited series and you know, in conversation about a book option and, you know, what we're going to pay and, you know, a cast renegotiation, all these things that might come my way in the course of the day with all the people on our team. That's really exciting, right? That that keeps me really fresh and kind of interested and not uh, static. So I like the dynamism of that. So TV for that reason, because it's, it's, it's there's so much, is kind of the right place for me because it keeps me very focused on multiple projects. I would love for you, Kevin, to just state your name and give me like a 30 second to a minute summary of your position and what you do and how this year has sort of, I don't want to say derailed because that's such a dramatic word, but how it's shifted for you and your work. So I'm Kevin Beggs. I'm the chairman of the Lionsgate Television Group and the chief content integration officer for the larger company. Essentially, uh, I oversee all the TV operations that encompass kind of our core scripted business, our nonfiction business, our investments in affiliated companies like Three Arts and Debmar Mercury and Pilgrim and our UK television business. Uh, And then wearing my chief content integration officer hat on, which is a title that doesn't get used very much, um, but it does exist, I guess, somewhere. That's really with an eye toward working across all the verticals in the company in an initiative we call Lionsgate 360 to try to develop uh, shared IP or pursue IP together between film and television and location-based entertainment and nonfiction and, and uh, you know, live stage, you know, any, any, any exploitation or adaptation that makes sense 
on a title that's in the company or that we want to onboard into the company. And that's actually been pretty exciting. So when you think about things like John Wick, which is this amazing film franchise, we're also developing a series prequel for stars called The Continental. There's a you know, substantial gaming presence for John Wick. And you can imagine there'll be many more iterations over the years to come on the back of a, you know, an interesting franchise like that with so much possibility. So that's, that's kind of a typical uh, title that we would try to work together on across the verticals to see how we might, you know, make one plus one equal three, roughly. Uh, going to your question about the year, yeah, it's been a really crazy year um, from a production standpoint, particularly, you know, management, morale, um, of staff, uh, you know, our core staff outside of all the productions that we're involved with uh, and pivoting into this new normal and working from home and working remotely. So, you know, many, many things, you know, a crazy political year on top of it. Uh, But, you know, it's actually in a funny, weird way, like I think many uh, phases of adversity do brought the group closer together. I think ironically enough, Zooming in and seeing each other on a daily basis um, actually has brought more people into the process because you know in an office you're you're limited by the physical location of where you are your office is next to five to ten other people that might be around you and that's kind of who you see all day except for meetings uh and in a company that's now as large as ours of 1500 people or more um that that cuts out a whole bunch of people so you know the 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 barriers between New York and London and Toronto and Asia and India, you know, that all existed by time frame, you know, uh, time zones and everything else are kind of broken and they're broken locally as well. I have a million things to ask you, but I want to give you a little snapshot of what this podcast is about and how it okay. came into being. So I launched it actually in front of people um, mm-hmm. about a, a small group. Uh, So we started with actually two live podcasts at a beautiful PR office in front of about 30 people. And it was very warm and fuzzy. And we had people in from Britain and it was lovely. And then I was on my way to London to speak to about 38,000 people for the largest dance conference in the world. And uh, I don't know if you know, but I was a former Joffrey ballerina. So in my first life, I was was a bunhead. I had long hair. And uh, on the way there, of course, announcements are being made, borders are shutting. Oh my God. I literally landed, got underground to the London Excel and got a snapshot of a screen that said the entire conference had been shut down. Why did they, they didn't shut it down sooner? I don't know with all of wow. the warning signs. So having arrived there, we tried to make lemonade out of lemons and a small group of the speakers, including some amazing people from all over the world, we got together at this little hotel next door, you probably know London very well called the Aloft. And we Mm -hmm. all sat there and there were probably about 50 dancers from Canada, from the US, from the, the UK, even South America. And we just created this little panel and talked about the industry and aspiring for the arts and entertainment. And I thought, you know what, there's something here. There could be a really cool integration where we can still inspire the 18 to 24 crowd that's looking for how to Mm -hmm. get on this yellow brick road to success. And then as I learned launching this remote podcast, my audience that sort of passed that group was the Pivoters. 
And so I mm -hmm. call us, you know, the pivoters and the pirouetters. And uh, interestingly enough, the podcast has really grown in like the 40 to 60 demographic. And mm -hmm. I think partly because of the audience that we share on LinkedIn. And one of the, the questions that always comes up is what kind of training will prepare me for this kind of a job? <laughs> now, okay. I can't even begin to imagine what you do on a daily basis, but I, you know, I have an inkling from running my own company, but running massive different companies that all sort of congregate under this one huge umbrella. Mm -hmm. I saw that you started with a BA that had um, like a Bachelor of Science and then also politics and theater. So I wanted to understand, right. yeah, how you started there and how you got here. Sure, well, it's a good question. I mean, uh, interesting, I went to UC Santa Cruz and for whatever reason, the politics department falls under a BS as opposed to a BA, I guess, because it feels a little more scientific. Um, and that was the first major I declared in theater, which I took as a second was, you know, which I think would have been a BA, you know, had to defer to the politics side. But yeah, there is a little science in it, not, not too much, I'd say, but it, there is a lot of science of studying human behavior, I think, in our world, uh, particularly working with artists and that weird intersection of art and commerce that, you know, is Hollywood. And, you know, my part of it is television. And that's, I think, of all the pursuits within Hollywood, the most disciplined from a business perspective, because it's always been a little bit of a staple in the diet, you know, people now and then get caviar and have a Titanic, but generally in TV, it's kind of like meat and potatoes because it's been tied to a schedule and networks and you got to deliver something every night and every week for, you know, years at a time. And it's a repeat business, particularly long running series, which is very different than a one-off movie or a project. It's a family, a kind of a family that goes, you know, five years, 10 years. studying politics and studying theater arts is kind of a, a great combination. I'm, I'm, I'm very creative, I think I am, and I also am quite focused on history and, and systems and governments and how people operate together and how power is wielded. And, you know, that all kind of fits right into, you know, what we do every day. I spent, when I first got to LA, I temp for a little while and then I wound up teaching elementary school for two years uh, in Pasadena with third and fourth graders and then for a year and fifth and sixth graders the next year. And I had subbed, subbed before that with kindergartners and, you know, little ones. Um, and of course, it's not that different except the toys are bigger in <laughs> the world that we're in, in right. terms of, you know, because little kids are unfiltered about what they want. You know, I want the ball, give me the ball. I want the food, I want the this, I want to go out. I don't want to be in class when it's recess. And um, that's not the and, right ball. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, and part of your job there is just managing traffic and trying to keep their attention for as long as you can, which is not easy for any any kid, and even grownups, I would say. But the uh, but 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 you know, as we get older, many of those wants and needs are masked or or disguised or filtered in certain ways that aren't entirely clear. However, I think most creative people um, operate you know, a little more opaquely and just say what they want and and how to accommodate everyone's needs and get the show done and the network 
and the international distributor, you know, distribution executives who are, you know, looking for certain things and kind of coming up with some kind of consensus uh, around a, a broad group of, of goals and objectives, which is very political in terms of legislation, not too dissimilar. I think of getting a show made as tantamount to a huge piece of legislation, whether it's the Affordable Care Act or the, the COVID relief bill, but you know, all the things that have to go right, all the stakeholders that have to buy in and you know, the buying in begins in your own company long before you take it to the market and take it out. You know, you, you're as a studio, you're a bit seller and a buyer, buyer first, seller next. You're listening to a pitch or a take or work, working with a partner, a producer, an overall deal, and an entrepreneur who says, I want to do this. You've got to be in. And then you've got to, I think, in our world at Lionsgate, with concentric circles, get more and more people to also buy in, whether they're, you know, it's other creative executives, it's business executives, it's financial, you know, corporate finance. It's all, you know, in our shop, John Feltzheimer, our CEO, who's very close to all the creative content in the company, um, you know, we're not sending something out to be seen and looked at until, you know, he's also um, participated. Um, and, and, you know, then the next round is the buyer, uh, whether it's in the family, uh, like Stars, and, and selling to Jeff Hirsch and his team, who runs Stars as the president and CEO, and Christina Davis and Ali Hoffman, or, you know, selling to HBO Max, where we have a lot of business right now, or, or anywhere else, you're still getting buy-in. And at those places, they have to get buy-in above them, right? You know, because you need to get the whole company. If you really want a giant marketing effort behind a show, which these days is, is really required to get awareness, but super expensive, uh, you know, it's not enough for the, the initial creative executive to love it, although that's, uh, you know, that's a prerequisite, you know, their boss and the bosses above them, you know, all the way to the top of their company need to be excited and really push all the levers that can go across a multi-platform, you know, universe, which is almost every company that you're dealing with. So that, that is in and of itself, a lot of work. this really chaotic time, you know, getting in anywhere is crucial, right? Just yep. get in somewhere. I say this to anybody, all the young people that I speak to, college students and others who are asking them, you know, yes. you've got to, you've got, you won't probably get in with the job that you're looking for. Almost no one does, but you get into an organization, a show, an organization, a group, whatever it might be, studio and network and you know if you if you really prove yourself invaluable which is kind of on you at that point to do most people don't want to let you walk out the door so you know an opening an opening comes up in another department people have noticed you hey you want to come over here that's exactly you know that's a great path because on the outside looking in is tough and right now in a sea of layoffs right there's a ton of qualified people and not enough jobs you know, I mean, I all think the that Quibi balances. people are looking for jobs beyond, yes. Yes. you know, so yeah. many platforms that we thought were going to be incredibly well-timed, right? Right. And it just, for whatever yeah. reason, But But work. that's, you know, that is the nature of our business. It's the nature of a lot of businesses. Think of all, you know, we, we think a lot about Facebook and Google and Tesla, but, you know, for every, you know, one of those incredible success stories or, you know, hundreds of failed startups 
that you know just missed it you know by one one business decision or they were just the fifth one in that same space and you know and people bounce and pivot that goes back to my point earlier about resiliency and stamina and stick to itiveness if that's the word i know it's not but but that notion of just staying in the game um because you just don't know when that opportunity is going to come and i think with all these new businesses explode yes there's realignment and disruption in the legacy businesses you know that have been backed by the cable bundle no problem that have been backed by the cable bundle and you know old legacy tv and those amazing margins you know and now that's painfully shifting and very quickly i mean uh, you know the the chase to compete with netflix which all the major conglomerates are doing and seeing that you know that is the way forward even though there's a lot of short term pain there will be long term gain and that that relationship with your customer that you can control is the most important and the most sacred bond and and uh, and promise of ongoing engagement you know that's painful we're seeing it you know and these layoffs are not done yet um but you know those layoffs are happening and then new opportunities are forming or new needs because you know there's so much more content than ever before being created and people have to manage that not just make it which is all the opportunities for artists which is amazing right now but you know literally manage the entire process production post production marketing like so i think those things are going to continue to pivot and grow in different ways so one of the key things is being you know nimble enough to pop in and out of situations and not be so defined by one particular skill that you're now you know relegated to obscurity you know going back 20 years ago right when i was starting at Lionsgate you know the tv movie business which has been a huge business minis and movies huge business unbelievable business huge built huge fortunes the spelling fortune and all kinds of uh, fortunes and and all of a sudden you know series was were really taking more prominence because the idea of getting someone to come 9 months a year as opposed to one night a week was making more sense and continues to be make more sense even in the streaming era although minis and movies are coming back now but there was a, you know a huge tranche of people that were defined by their MOW skill sets that were you know really bouncing to find their thing so i'm a big believer in generalists in the executive ranks because who knows what the next pivot's going to be you know we're this this streaming moment is happening and i don't i can't even imagine what the next iteration will be but you know it'll be some instant you know capsule in which a, you take a pill and a show shows up on your head i don't know what that's going to be someone's thinking it's part of right yeah now. the new ar vr <laughs> launches <Yeah>. think <laughs> it, right. it just if i could produce my dreams i'd be a billionaire <laughs> exactly so that's coming at some point yeah and everyone's you know that it's been so steeped in streaming it's going to you know have to pivot to what that's going to be we don't know what it's even going to be but i mean the the going back to your very first question about how do you prepare and you know what's the training well the you know the training is being you know a great thinker and really smart and and reading everything uh you know and just being so so educated if you will not i mean classical education that's also good but the lifelong <clears throat> learning that we're all doing while we're working Paying attention in this field is the is the key 
Yeah. yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the pitch process? I realize you said uh, being a generalist that you've done a lot of roles and you've you've mm-hmm. transitioned, but um, how do pitches happen and at what level and how, how integrated and involved are you and when are you involved? Um, you know, it's, 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 it's varied from my duration and <clears throat> my tenure at Lionsgate from being one of the only one of two employees in TV to, wow. now being, you know, with a lot more. <clears throat> so I would say that my role now is um, to generally come in and hear something after uh, Scott and Jocelyn and other people uh, or Alice and the Unscripted have developed it and are thinking about taking it, you know, getting it ready to go. And then I can sit in as a, a lo- more of an objective third party, probably knowing something about the creative because I've, I'm sure I read something, whether it was a book or an article or whatever was the inspiration for this, or even if it was just pitch pages, you know, which got all of them excited. So I knew what it was about, but then literally trying to just put on my network fire hat and see if I understand what it is and is it exciting and why, or is there, is there, are there a couple of pieces missing or is there some shorthanding going on, which if you didn't really understand, you might miss a key component because it's assumed and the group working on it is already so well aware of that. Um, so yeah, we generally do, you know, multiple rehearsals of pitches and, and I'm in on a, you know, I'm in on those last few, let's say before it goes out and maybe I have a couple of notes or maybe I totally get it, but, but that's generally my part of it now. Before it would be much more involved from the beginning of working up the pitch and doing all those rehearsals before I took it to some of my boss, let's just say. So I'm, I'm, I'm more 90,000 feet than I uh, used to be, but that's fine because I have a bunch of other stuff going on. And in a way, actually truly being uh, far enough away from the creative that you can be objective is really critical because when you're walking in to a buyer, you know, they haven't been working with you for six months. You know, they heard about the meeting two weeks ago and they put it on the calendar and, you know, it's going to be a 30 or 40 minute meeting on Zoom. That's about as much time, attention span as you're going to get. Um, so you have to really think through what, what they're hearing and make sure, anticipate what, what might come up, you know, what problems or shortcomings or omissions or, or is it too is it too much detail, right? You know that's the hardest thing about condensing any movie or TV or series project into a a fairly concise pitch. Is you know what do you leave in? What do you leave out? Can you clarify for our audience the differences between the SVOD, the streamers, and then the broadcast and the cable? Because the landscape has. I mean, changed even in in 10 months, let alone two years. Well, I mean, I mean, streaming is a platform, you know, but you're calling it television. Yeah, I call it. Well, the the stuff we make in the TV group remains television. But, you know, on broadcast, you know, they had series, they had movies and minis, they had documentaries, they have news. I mean, they have those things and cable expanded that palette even further. Uh, to include more specialty, like, you know, Animal Planet or, you know what I mean? And if you're an animal person and so on and so forth. And then streaming just offers all those things. But of course, on your own timetable. I mean, that's the breakthrough of that is it's when you want it 
it's personalized, even putting aside the fact that they're steering things your way that are based on your other viewing habits, which neither cable or broadcast could ever do. They're just hoping that 50 million people want to watch, you know, something. The, but, you know, but even putting that aside, it, it's all those same genres. They're just now more widely, I mean, it's the difference of, you know, a corner deli and Costco, right? Uh, you know, they don't have TVs at a corner deli, but they have it at Costco. So movies live in the streaming universe. Look at the investments in film, it's, it's extraordinary. Uh, series is kind of a natural extension because of the rhythm of binging and staying with something. Even even platforms that roll things out weekly or in in in, uh, in bursts, if you will, have that same rhythm of television as we think of it, which is going back again for appointment TV or just continuing uh, to watch because you want to get through and get to the end of the season. And find out what happens next. And limited and limiteds have and minis and or you know, the many Christmas movies that are available, you know, not just on Hallmark, which I think has 42, but Netflix has a bunch and so on. And those are events. And lifetime and holiday theme. The cottage yeah. industry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are I mean, I haven't seen them all, but you know, the the Netflix ones, the freeform ones, the Hallmark ones, the Lifetime ones. I mean, they all they all eventually find their way to a streaming opportunity, even if that's not their core business. And those are holiday kind of fair that you go. I mean, and the genius of Hallmark is to make Christmas like eleven months out of the year, right? That's the genius of Hallmark. And they have the, they have made that a genius platform for holidays. Oh yeah, in a pandemic, you want it to be Christmas all the time. All that's the time. Like, but they so so but all but all those I think those very distinct genres still exist. So when I think about television for streaming partners, whether it's Stars or Showtime or HBO or HBO Max or Netflix, Apple, I'm still thinking mostly in the rhythm of long longer form things that are beyond just the two hour format that we know from features. It's you know it, it's it's minis. It's, you know, it's four to six, it's limited and or eight to 10 or maybe 12 or, you know, like an Orange is the New Black, you know, seven seasons of a show, you know, that is a, in 13 a year. And, was that you know, intended, was Orange is the New Black, was that intended to be a multi-year series or was it intended oh, yeah. to be? Always, oh, no, it was. always was, always a series. Yeah, yeah, it was always, that's, I mean, that's how, how Gingy pitched it and approached it. And it was, you know, it was, it, it was, much of the the storyline of the actual book that it was based on was really covered in the first episode. It was always that was the jumping off point for Genji and her team to do this really interesting exploration of the prison industrial complex and the you know the victims, you know the perpetrators, the the winners, the losers, the power dynamics of that, which became this great. Uh, sounding board to talk about immigration reform and you know prison abuses and all you know private prisons versus public, publicly funded, which is you know has grown exponentially in the last twenty years, uh, and all, all those kind of you know kind of hot button and and kind of horrifically disturbing issues in and around mass incarceration, which Orange is the New Black um, depicted. So yeah, I think she always intended it. You know, Weeds was you know, a, a, a rumination on the war on drugs uh, and, and that the hypocrisy of Americans, America's drug policy. And then, you know, Genji turns the howitzer over to the prison system and, you know, 
blast that for the next seven years. So she's really good at that. Yeah, you've had some great book to screen conversions, I'd say. Oh yeah, yeah, that was particularly good. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I wanted to find out like when you were a kid, like looking back at yourself as an 18 year old, like, are you still the man you thought you were gonna be? How much has changed from within? Um, you were talking about, you, you said some things earlier that I thought were really interesting um, about sort of the empirical, the rational side versus sort of the um, the inside, uh, you know, the interior thoughts are, it sounded very mm -hmm. philosophical. <laughs> how how different are you as a person in, in business as well in, in how you create business and in how you conduct your business in relationships uh, compared to who you were as a young man? I, yeah, it's a good question. I certainly didn't see myself doing anything like this. Uh, I knew I, you know, I loved doing theater in junior high and high school and college. And, you know, that was like fun to me. That was, that was like, you know, the, the, the icing on a cake, if you will. And then, and then the other stuff, which I also enjoy was work, you know, and, and uh, so I guess it's probably no surprise looking back, but at the time, you know, I was thinking, well, I'll, my brother's a lawyer, I'll go to law school, I'll do that and, you know, do sensible and responsible things. But, you know, the more I thought about those, those things in terms of careers, you know, the less interesting they seem to be compared to the things that were pulling me to like, hey, let's, you know, let's do put on a play or let's do this or what do we, you know, what, uh, the group that I was in school with, what we always talk about, movies, and and occasionally TV shows uh, at that time, but mostly movies, and you know what they meant, and 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 that's what you just found yourself talking about all the time, and you know maybe also as a for a bunch of odd reasons we were had a, a strict you know rationing of TV as kids um, to you know it would range from no TV at all um, to maybe a maximum of two or three hours a week, you know, completely monitored and the you know, TV was like a tiny little portable and be locked away. So it wasn't like it was in a living room where you could just, it's always there like a piece of furniture. And, and giant. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My, you know, I spent a lot of time at my friend's houses because all my friends, you know, had TVs and, you know, in those early days had cable and we never had anything like Remember that. Remember when and everyone got a, yeah, like a bigger, bigger color TV and then it was flat. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, so there, you know, there's probably something to the notion that this was, you know, this particular thing was, you know, denied us, um, that I wound up in TV and interested in TV even more so than any other genre. Um, but so I'm not sure, but, but I, yeah, but I, you know, when I, 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 I think even as a high schooler and college student, I was balancing both this kind of, you know, right and left brain uh mindset which i think is is not typical i think there's usually you're kind of either heavily in one or heavily in the other and in the middle is probably uh, rare more rare so i you know for me that's fun right because i you know i love dealing i love interacting with people one of the downsides of covid although virtual connections are great is just literally not being with people you know outside of your immediate family and i'm used to seeing you know hundred people in a day, probably generally, you know, in some kind way, shape or form and very social that way. So that's been a, that's been an adjustment. Um, but I think that I kind of feed off that. And I, and I think TV with its pace 
and finding my way into a studio where there's multiple projects as opposed to just being on one for you know for many years which is the, the plight of a producer typically is like they've got one thing and it can be great but i get bored really easily pre-pandemic i play a lot of basketball but that that's not happening at the moment and then and some golf and now that that ratio has you know no basketball a lot of golf because you can do it outside and and oh you're gonna see my cat in a second oh, um, i love cats. okay and and because uh i'm spending less time commuting you know there's actually more time to play something you know golf takes a little while but it's a good exercise because i walk um, but also a lot of activities, you know, are all social activities are at a zero. So there isn't, it's not like you're missing it. I used to, you know, want to play golf in many a weekend, but there was a lot of kids sports activities and tournaments and games and you just can make the time. Now there's none of us can do anything. So that's my one outlet at the moment. Yeah. There's less FOMO fear of missing out because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is no out. I used to have lots of FOMO. <laughs> yeah. 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 I play a little bit of beach volleyball, but I'm not tall. Okay. So I'm not. I'm not great at it, but I love it. And and it's been my COVID safe. I've I've actually evolved into being a doubles player because you can't play with more than yeah. three on a side. Two, yeah. Or you get Two shut down. Sense. Yeah. So I, yeah. I became a much better uh, setter, and and uh, you know I I can hold myself now. Hold hold the fort. there anything that you would like to offer thinking about the two pods of listeners there's people who are pivoting during a pandemic that's a great alliteration and the 18 to 24s aspiring on their yellow brick road to success well i think i touched on it slightly before but i think you know what you had said about paying attention and I just think there's no substitute in our world for you know you know intelligence and kind of savviness and smarts and you know I think there's so much to read and see uh, that particularly in the in this pandemic era when time is the thing that's being given back whether you're working or looking for work you know so many things are off the table that would take your whether it's charity dinners or family trips or anything you know so all the things that you can't do have given at least for me but i think i'm not similar to anybody else a whole bunch of more time and what you're going to fill that with i mean for me this has been a chance to read a ton of books not for work books but you know work and things that have been on that list for a long time uh, catch up on a bunch of series and movies and other things that, that you know it wasn't I could never get around to or the things that everyone's talking about so that you can be active and in these conversations because you know wherever you wind up being in some room at some place you're going to get this opportunity who knows what it's going to be when somebody looks at you as you know the ninth person in the room and says well, what did you think of uh, of that show or that movie and nobody else has gotten to it and you watched it and you go I know well I thought the first two episodes really were strong and the third one you know slightly went off of track but if you walked all the way through episode 10 you know they really stuck the landing and you know all of a sudden you're invited to give your thoughts at the next meeting and that 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 happens I mean I know it happens and I, it happens in our own group because you know all of us are so busy that we can't possibly keep up with everything and somebody chimes in with a bright idea and all of a sudden they are looked at differently. So those that this is, you know, 
an opportunity to do that and to just be ahead. I mean, it's to read all the trades, it's to read all the newspapers, it's to, you know, ch check out all the podcasts about the business, including this one, but Jason Hirschhorn's or this or that. There's a ton that's going on there, which will educate you. I saw that uh, Lionsgate had a couple podcasts, right? Um... I don't know if we have any, but we, we should. <laughs> Maybe so you're, we'll take you're not actually producing them? Or... I don't think we're making any yet. I think at the moment we're getting a lot of pitches to adapt things into shows. Yeah. Uh, which is a big business and getting yeah. bigger. <clears throat> but uh, but I'm sure we're, I'm sure we'll figure it out, you know, for the right, for the right reason. But there's so much out there <clears throat> for everybody. I mean, when you think about that ongoing kind of on the job, education or kind of you know the kind of things that you think about like oh once a year a teacher would go for an off-site you know to you know hone their education skills what's available you know and that's like in some place two hours away and you got to go there all day what's available now just literally in your with your iphone in terms of more knowledge and what you can gain to make yourself relevant for this new creative economy that's unfolding around us is you know kind of astounding so i think that's i think for people that are pivoting there's a lot out there that really make, can make you really relevant when you add up all the stuff you've already known and then you add to it and then for the 18 to 24 set the aspirants i would say who are like you know where do i jump onto this moving train or how do i get in uh, you know similarly you get in anywhere you can short of doing something criminal, hopefully. Um, but if, you know, if it's a bona fide job sweeping, you know, trash or something near a creative pursuit, you got to take that and work your way into the center. Um, and, and I also think I would just, I, I go back on that notion about being a generalist at the moment. I mean, if you really want to be technically in something like you want to be an editor that is a specific thing you got to learn all the software and learn all the techniques and everything else but what i'm thinking about right now is development executives network executives people that are going to be in the management of this content process and you know have a say in where it goes and who it's bought from and how it's packaged and how it's messaged and you know how it goes out into the world in that ecosystem uh, you know, a general knowledge of a lot of things is super important. And the more you know, the more, you know, the higher you will go. It's just inevitable. So, you know, those critical thinking skills, the ability to write, you know, articulately and eloquently in email form in which, you know, most business is conducted now is, you know, is a huge, uh, you know, delineation between those who can do that and those who cannot. And it's super, super clear who can and who can't. So, you know, all the, you know, and myself included, the, you know, complaining and moaning about writing in high school and college and what's it ever, you know, what good is it ever going to do? It's going to be everything because these days, you know, you may never even meet your boss in person. Um, you know, plenty of people are literally, you know, being recruited just, you know, online. And, you know, what are they looking at? Well, what was the response to the inquiry? How did your letter, how fast did you turn it around? You know, what does that grammar, vocabulary look like? How are your grammar skills? You know, it's not enough just to be a really good, you know, conversationalist. That's not bad. But, you know, in the end, it's all done electronically in so many ways. And, and that's a real measure. And when people get it wrong, it really stands out.
My show's called Passion to Power, and as I spoke to Kevin Beggs, a lot of the reasons for doing this podcast started to resonate with me again. Passion is that enthusiasm, that verve, that inner excitement that commits you to doing something that you love to do, that sustains you until you can grasp that power, that inner strength, and have influence over others with that passion, and that power that you can engage with others and tell your stories and find the love in your work. And that's what this podcast is all about. Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. This has been great. I look forward to I look forward to hearing more. And uh, I appreciate you giving me so much time on a Monday in in the holiday. Oh, are you kidding? No, I've been looking forward to this and tell your team. Thank you for being sure. Um, Terrific. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate it, Michelle. Happy, Be well. Happy Bye. Days. Bye. Thank you. You too. Bye.